This is part two of episode four of the Smart Revolution podcast. Why do I do what I do? I do what I do because I actually love people. I'm passionate about helping people, wherever they are, in dentistry, not in dentistry. In dentistry, I'm, I'm passionate about providing, sharing what I've learned and the, and the successes that I've had with patients to help other clinicians with their patients. That's my number one. Hello, and thank you for downloading Smar Revolution in association with Dentsply Serona, a podcast dedicated to oral health promotion, supporting career development for dental hygienists and dental therapists. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist, and I am so excited to bring to you poignant conversations with dental professionals who have made an impact on my career. And thanks to their transparency, we will endeavour to learn more about the choices they have made and the impact this has had professionally and personally. Through listening to the Smile Revolution podcast, I hope you gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path, supporting oral health promotion and enhancing smiles across the world. I am delighted to introduce our sponsor, Dentsply Serona, who are committed to providing clinically proven and innovative solutions, continuing professional education and patient self-care support to help promote a lifetime of oral health around the world. Find out more at dentsplicerona.com forward slash Revolution. Today's guest is Flo Cooper, a dental hygienist from Dundee in Scotland. I am so excited to have Flo on the show and for her to share with you her extremely interesting, diverse career path. I honestly learned so much from this dear colleague who transfers her passion to me on nearly a daily basis. Flo qualified in 1997 from Dundee Dental Hospital with a diploma in dental hygiene. She really has fulfilled and continues to fulfill a dynamic career path that I find so interesting. From working in NHS practice, community dental service, hospital, a stint in the armed forces, holding a temporary tutor position which at the time she felt was to be her future, as felt so passionate about being a tutor at this point, until she began working in an incredible, fully private practice for 12 years, treating patients as a hygienist, as well as completing further training and doing facial aesthetics for nine years. In the midst of her clinical work, she was trained in the US, in the business side of dentistry. And she has worked extensively in the business side of dentistry in the UK. With such a wealth of experience and expertise, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Flo Cooper to the show. On today's show, we continue our conversation from part one of Flo's podcast recording. We talk further about Flo's consultancy coaching company that she set up, along with discussing her role now and how her interest in content marketing and NLP evolved. 
This podcast is for all dental hygienists and dental therapists who wish to learn more about a hygienist who has developed a very dynamic role in consultancy with immediate, easy solutions to career development and career fulfillment. Flo is honestly such an inspiration to listen to, and she has done so much, and I know you will be inspired. We had so much to talk about in this recording that the recording was split into two podcasts. So if you haven't listened to part one, do. Now, I just want to move on. So you came out of clinic. um, Yeah. And then where did you go? So I came out of clinic and then I actually um, moved to my friend's aesthetic clinic. So I worked doing um, aesthetics probably about three days a week. So I increased my aesthetics and dropped hygiene. And um, then while I was doing that, I was setting up my own coaching company because my whole desire always is in training and coaching and helping people that's my that's my why if I can help if I can help people to deliver care better to patients then I'm helping more patients and that's just always been my kind of bigger reasoning behind doing training and coaching Um, and so I started up my own company, um, Connect Coaching, um, which was, um, which is really a design to, um, it's about looking at the people and looking at processes and designing it around them. And obviously, I've got my background from working, you know, over in America and things like that. But what I did really differently was I didn't have set systems that I taught. It was all about looking at what they want, where are they now. And what can we? Do, what steps can we do to to get that better? So slightly so, more individualized, individually tailored. Yes, yeah. It was less of a program and more of um, a consultancy coaching. Really, you know, it wasn't teaching; it was more coaching. And so I did. Um, I still, I still do a bit of that. Um, and so I help sort of practices and teams. But the biggest thing in that is team development. So whether that be practices we are looking to build a hygiene programme or practices we're looking to do more facial aesthetics or practices who are looking to um, do more of the dentistry that they love, um, my how I helped them was to help their team help them to do that. You know, because quite often we we sometimes work like little lone soldiers uh, when we're trying to do something. And so it was about helping the team. And then in amongst all that, I got involved in a content marketing group called the Content Marketing Academy. And again, continuing on from my interest that I got in the business of hygiene, I got this real interest in marketing because it's always an area that's confused me. I'm all, you know, I always think, how do they know what to do? You know, you hear about keywords and this trend. And and I've, it's always been a bit of an alien world to me, to be perfectly honest. Um, but what I loved about content marketing was the philosophy. And the philosophy behind contact, content marketing is about helping your customer solve the problems, helping your potential customer or your audience solve the problems that they have got, not by selling to them, but by just by creating content. So whether you're creating blogs or what you're doing just now, Victoria, with your podcasts, um, videos, how-to videos, you know, all of these things, you know, 
they can be monetized eventually, but actually the essence behind it is actually providing answers to the problems that these patients and in our instances have got or customers if you apply it to any business. So I got really, really, really interested um, in that. Um, and I've written some articles and things on that. Um, but I really loved, there was a guy um, that we were taught by called Marcus Sheridan from the States. And he owned a swimming pool company. And the story that he told was, um, you know, probably similar to the Jameson management story. He was in recession. There was a recession, the 2008 recession. And his swimming pool business, he, he, they sold fiberglass swimming pools in Virginia. And this, they were getting less and less and less um, busy and making less money. And so he learned about this thing, content marketing. So he started thinking, right, all of the questions that I get asked from my customers when I'm out at appointments, um, I'm going to start answering those questions in blogs because these are the questions that people are typing into Google or whichever search engine. So it was almost thinking, right, rather than waiting until he was he travelled a few hundred miles to an appointment to ask the question, he thought, well, I'm going to write one blog and that will answer these questions for all these people across the state. So what he then found was, and he, he, he I mean, he'd, he created tons and tons of blogs, hundreds and hundreds of all the different questions. And what he found was he ended up travelling less to less appointments, but making more sales. So he was working more smarter. So he invested a lot of time and energy in answering the questions. And he used his HubSpot. So he was able to get a lot of data into what blogs people were reading that, that were actually helping them to purchase. And so what really interested me about that was in dentistry, our patients that are out there, they don't know a good dentist from a bad dentist. They don't know a good hygienist from a bad hygienist. They know how people make them feel. They've got a gut instinct of who they connect with. But if we, if we, when we think about all of the education that we need to do in practice, why aren't we doing it online? You know? So I got really interested in that aspect. And that was the part that I started teaching and teaching practices. So it was the content marketing piece that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and it's just, it is such a beautiful philosophy. And if, if, if practices, and some, I, I can't tell you a practice who does a lot of it, but I have came across practices. There's none springing to mind, but I have came, came across practices. Um, I think there's one in the States, Rolling Oaks Dental. Um, and they, I came across them a long time ago. They, they asked me to do a guest blog and things with them. They must have known we're in the same space, but they create, they create a lot of content. But you just have to think about the questions that your patients routinely ask you and go onto your computer and type them into Google. And what you'll get is probably an NHS PDF. That's what you'll get. And that's not helping you and help to help your patients. That's just giving your patients standard information, but it's not really answering the question. And so when you, ans when you answer a question online and you're found online in that way, what happens is the trust starts there. The trust isn't starting when they're walking in the door or sitting in the chair. It starts when they've read your blog. So, yeah, so you should get more contented, trusting patients that come through, they're more open to what you're saying because they've already built up a bit of a relationship with you. So I actually thought in dentistry, we need to do way, way more of this. So listeners, <laughs> get writing. 
Write those questions down that we're hearing day in, day out. Thank you, Flo, because that is, you know, that's career development starting now. It's giving maybe the inspired listeners or, you know, everyone is unique. And we're all so different. And I keep going back to that. But if this inspired you, merely what Flo's just spoken about, about writing the answers to what our questions have, this is a way to overcome oral health inequalities, essentially, isn't it? And like you said, it's the trust element that starts there when they read that blog. And maybe how I write a blog is different from how you would write a blog. It's not going to appeal to everyone. But if all of us, hygienists and therapists, are writing these blogs out there, we're going to appeal to some of the... I think helping, helping, if you can just... And it might be that you write a blog and somebody from another city reads it. They might not even be ever be your patient. But if you've helped that patient, you've still helped a patient. Absolutely. And be more educated. And who are they sharing that with? And, you know, know, who else is then reading it? Or who do they just share a few words? Or, you know, something that they learn from? You just just don't know the impact it's going to have. But the more we're doing actively as a profession is definitely going to have a higher chance of reaching more to create more change and awareness in regards to oral health, which is what we are all about. Yay! (laughs) Yes, so so what had happened was when I left Cherry Bank and I was working in the aesthetic clinic while I was setting up Connect Coaching, there's a really funny thing that happens to people where they, um, it's called imposter syndrome, where you want to do something. So I wanted to set up my coaching consultancy company, but something inside made me go, I'm just a hygienist. I can't, I actually can't go and teach all these dentists. Who am I to do that? So I actually talked myself down and talked all the experience that I had down and thought I need to be a qualified coach before I can call myself a coach. So What I did was I applied, there was a coaching MSc at Napier University and I applied for that and I got in. But there there wasn't enough people on the course, so they didn't run it. So what happened after that was somebody had mentioned NLP to me and I thought, "Mm, that's that's maybe quite a good thing to go into. So anyway, I contacted um, Ailey McDonald-Hart of EMH Inspire. She's based in Edinburgh and she um, is a little bit different than a lot of NLP coaches because her NLP NLP is a form of psychotherapy, but it's unregulated. So it's a very effective communications, behavioural. It's like having a human resource toolkit. Um, so I studied with her, but her courses are accredited through Derby University. Um, and so I have a formal coaching qualification with her courses. So she, she and I've never looked back. It was a very, very... It's like a practical psychological toolkit that you have to help you be the best version of yourself, to help you understand other people, to help you communicate better. Um, It doesn't make you perfect. There's no such thing. But um, that was a, a wonderful thing to do. And I think from learning that and applying it into my coaching programs, that was that was the really powerful part and even bringing it home to your family and using some of the communications with your family just 
you do see better results using it. So yeah, I, I really love that, and I you know I I continue to go back and um, attend day courses here and there to this day actually, you know, just to keep refreshed. Yeah. So and I think um, you've just tapped into a really interesting point there because I felt that too. That oh, I'm not qualified to teach, for instance. Um, you know, with the lectures that I deliver, but um, you don't put yourself down like. You no. work as hard as you can and don't let your your own kind of beliefs ever stop you from progressing yes. forward. Um, yeah. And if, if you stay committed to the cause and really, really committed to your work and your worth ethic, work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's there's something to be said for that. Definitely. Yeah. I think self-belief is a is a, a thing that can sabotage a lot of people's um, efforts and drive that they put out there. But, you know, somehow we need to silence the inner critic or not even silence the inner critic, but I think we need to listen to the inner critic, but actually say thank you, inner critic, because the inner critic's coming in to protect you in some way. Thank you, but I'm going to do this, you know? And it's almost like I try and... It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I actually learned that from a book. I think when you when you have those, and we all have, you know, doubting, self-limiting beliefs, and, you know, everybody has them, from, certainly from time to time. But we need to somehow put them into context. Yeah. And one of the things that helps me a lot with dealing with that is about imagine that you're with your best friend and your best friend is saying these things like, oh, I want to do coaching, but I'm not a qualified coach. I want to do teaching, but I'm I'm not a teacher. And I want to do this, but I don't think I'll be good enough. What advice would your friend, what advice would you give your friend in those situations? And you need to turn that and give yourself that advice. I like that too. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Silence the critic and comfort yourself. And, and, you know, and, you know, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. It's yeah, and we're very harsh on ourselves, aren't we? Because you know we're always wanting to make sure that we're as competent and you know on top of things as possible. And there's so much to now think of, you know, with registrations and CQC and everything, everything, and the demands that society puts on it. You know, I mean, the list is endless. Yeah. We can't, you know, but we can't, we can't oh, no. be too harsh on yourself. Just yeah. always have fun and, in what you you're know, doing I, and do your I, best. And I think um, I, I actually am going to record myself saying that because day to day, do I really do that all the time? <laughs> you know, so I think I might record that bit myself and play it back to myself now and then, you know, just to remind myself what tools I do have in there, you know. Uh, and that's just being human, you know, and I think that's it, you know, we're, we're all human. And, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, in practice, but I like that tip too. The Dense Ply Serona Smart Scaling course provides an overview of Cavatron technology, tools and techniques to enhance your everyday practice and the patient experience. Built around the modern needs of hygienists and therapists, this course will provide training on appropriate instrumentation techniques, the science behind Cavatron ultrasonic technologies, 
and create preventive protocols to enhance both clinical and non-clinical practice. In your career, starting in clinics and thinking, I have to say, I did feel I definitely wanted to be a tutor and I still <laughs> something part down you know inside me feels that I, I do love teaching and I do a bit of teaching but you know I was really set on being a tutor in a hospital um like yourself and it's just amazing and I think what I've learned especially from you this evening on our podcast that we're just recording is have such an open mind like you know be open to everything that comes your way you never know where it may take you but be true to yourself, be enthu- your enthusiasm has to be within you for whatever topic that may be um, and, and find it. And it's interesting how you've just even spoken about marketing, <laughs> like marketing doesn't really seem to connect, although it is relevant, especially now with social media, etc. But our roles as hygienists, therapists has evolved hugely, especially in the last couple of years. Um, in the way that we're approaching um, communication on, you know, our profession, etc., and aura health generally to the public and, you know, but marketing, find your own passions and, and bring it back to dentistry, mm. you know, yeah. tie it in, you know, so yeah. there's, there's really no limits. There's, there is no limits. There's, there's there is no limits. No limits, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't. I will always be in dentistry. It's in my blood. I've been in dentistry since I left school, age sixteen. I started as a nurse, age sixteen, and I've never looked back. And I've I've always been in dentistry. You know, I sort of took a step into aesthetics, which I I think considered is still a part of dentistry, but I'm still always in dentistry, and I always will be. And who knows? Maybe I'll get that tutor hygienist position one day. You never know. <laughs> but the, the interesting thing is, yeah, I feel the same, and I've taken different little, you know, roads and different paths. paths but yeah, it's within you, and you feel. I feel loyal, and you know, I, I feel I have to be loyal to the profession. I just, I would feel like a total traitor if I left it. <laughs> You can never leave. You can never, never. Um, okay, Flo. Let me just also just tap into what you're doing now. So yeah. you you obviously would you were doing this coaching, and then you got into yeah. marketing, and then you've brought that back to dentistry, and then what? Yeah. Okay. So right now, um, I I've kind of went full circle, um, and I'm actually working for a company called Calcivis which, um, and I am the product specialist and educator within the company, and uh, we're a Scottish-based company, and we have a system that captures free calcium ions. So for the first time ever in dentistry, we can determine if a suspected enamel lesion is actively progressing or not. Okay, so there's, there's, in the past, there's, or currently, there are caries detectors, mainly using fluorescence but what with those um things you get with those with with the results of those you get a picture that something either has happened to the tooth or is happening to the tooth there is no way of knowing if it's actively progressing or not so you get a snapshot of 
something's gone on or is going on. And with our system, it's all about capturing it early. So it's very much a tool that can be used with, within the hygiene and therapy room. You know, so it's a preventive tool. So my job is um, I go, I basically, you know, I, I speak at events. Um, we just recorded a webinar yesterday, which was fun and games. Um, I work with the practices. So the practices that by the system, I actually go in and support them. So I give, I deliver sort of mini coaching programs to those practices to help them sell because it's quite, it's a new concept altogether. Um, so I go in and help the practices um, communicate about it, how they sell it, how they set targets with it, because it's quite huge, it's quite profitable. So um, I'm currently doing that. But the interesting thing about that was my very first job, in, well, my first job as a qualified dental nurse was in Dundee Dental Hospital. And I worked in the paediatric department for four years. And the dentist there was Chris Longbottom. And he was... Um, he was actually a dentist that inspired me to do the, well, he encouraged me to do the certificate in oral health education. So we were the pilot study for dental nurses doing the certificate in oral health education. So I, I my group was the first year in the UK to have done that. And that I was, know that. yeah, that was, that was way back in, I'm going to show my age now, um, maybe 1994 or something, 1993. Um, so, and Chris Longbottom was really good because he was passionate about supporting nurses do these preventive measures and, and education. Um, and he was a, honestly a wonderful man. Every There's lots of dentists that I know that remember being taught by him. And he was just a, a leading cardiologist, but such a humbled man. He was so lovely. And he is the brains behind Calcivist. So that is really, you know, it sort of went, so I basically started there as a nurse, did all everything that I've described, and I was kind of drawn back to really getting this product off the ground um, that Chris has invented. So, yeah, so that's what I'm currently doing. Interesting. <laughs> and, wow, how fun is that? I know, I know. That's I know. really ironic. Yeah. Now, Flair, your career has... For, for listeners and for myself, you know, you have been in surgery, but it really has taken off, like you said, into it's been a real career for you. That's what you, you know. And for other listeners listening, if they are inspired by your journey and maybe are at the beginning of their career or part way through, or even they've been in the, their career for ages, because we do hear. Um, you know, lots of people that maybe aren't so inspired, they're, they, mm -hmm. they're in practice and they just think, you know, what else can I do? The morale's sometimes down and, and this is the reason for the podcast. Yeah. You know, what would you recommend to hygienists that if they are inspired by what, you're, what you've done in your career, you know, mm -hmm. what should they look out for? What tips would you give them or maybe going down similar routes or exploring Okay. to what you've done. So first of all, I think that in my, this is just my opinion, I think any newly qualified hygienist or therapist should give themselves about five years before they even think about too much about overanalyzing the current situation. I think it takes about four or five years where you can really say, actually, I'm really skilled at that. 
really, really skilled at that because we come out, we think we know everything. We When we, we get to the first year and we think, oh, my goodness, I, I'm so much better now than what I was when I qualified. And I think I'm sure everybody will agree that I've got more experience. By the time you've reached four or five years, you've really got a wealth of experience. But I think in the beginning, don't overanalyze the perhaps negative situations that you're in. Just always see it as that it's a journey, it's a pathway, it's a it's a moment, it's a part of your career. And actually, if you work with, say, a not very nice principal dentist, believe it or not, you'll learn stuff from that not very nice principal dentist. Even if it's that I don't want to work with people like that, you've then you you open up your horizons to look for the people that you're attracted to. So always reflect and think, could I do that better? Um, did that satisfy me? Because sometimes we don't know what we want. I mean, I didn't. You don't know what you want, really, don't do you? But you, you, you. I think you do accidentally maybe fall into things. But I guess it's keeping your options really open and exploring different opportunities that come your way. And I think as well as that, try and look a bit outside of dentistry to think if there's any other thing that you can that you can learn that you can pull back into dentistry because I think that's really important because if I had never been on a marketing course, for example, I just would still be lost in marketing, whereas now I understand the power of that. So I think it's about taking taking leaps of faith, I guess, in some instances, um, reaching out to people who you think would be a good mentor to you because I think people are... People generally are helpful. And I think there's lots of people in dentistry that would love to help. And I think one of the best things about, you know, I think of the people that came to me for advice and help, that actually makes me feel really good and it makes me want to help them even more as opposed to someone who maybe doesn't reach out the same way. So actually reach out because when you reach out to people, you'll be remembered and and it's widening your circles. So I think it's just... Knuckle down your first five years, get as a wealth of experience in different environments, different people, always um, always reflect, always think, what could I have done better? How could I have managed that better? What am I going to do next time so that you grow and really have a real growth plan? Go a bit outside of dentistry, and that's what I would do. Learn something that you can bring in because actually there's, there's lots of wisdoms out in different professions that we've maybe perhaps not adopted in dentistry and and likewise dentistry could probably teach other professions um, something yeah so I think it's yeah I would say all of those things and just stay positive and just always always remember and know why you're doing what you do yeah you know just always know why you're doing what you're doing what's your purpose what's your main purpose yeah and Regardless, I mean, you're so enthusiastic about dentistry. (laughs) You're still involved heavily. And like you said, you'd never leave. (laughs) Yet we do know, and, you know, the reason, again, for the podcast, like I've just said, is that there are people out there struggling. And I know I've had phases in my career that, oh, this is just not right. This Mm. isn't sitting right with me. You know, have you had moments in your career as well where you've struggled and you thought, oh, I need to change anything and if so, how did you overcome that for listeners? What advice would you give? 
So I've had many, I've had many situations where I've just thought, you know, sometimes, sometimes I just can't do this anymore. You know, I think sometimes you just have have bad days with it. Um, I think there's a difference in managing a bad day or a bad period to I really can't do this anymore. You know, I think there's a difference because I think sometimes our brains are not, you know, we, we shouldn't really trust our thoughts often too much because sometimes our thoughts can drive us too much the other way if, if, if you know, for example, if you've got issues going on in your personal life and all these sort of things that can that can maybe put a negative spin on things. But I actually think um, in order to, um, where I've, I have had moments like that, you know, definitely. That's probably why I've, I've done so many different things. I'm always on to the next thing, you know. But I don't know that I've ever had a moment where I've just thought, I need to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. I think it's just, I've had moments where I just think, I don't know if I'm really getting fulfilled. That's always been my... But you've always uh, searched for the next thing in these yeah, moments. Yeah, absolutely. Because I've always thought, and don't get me wrong, as much as it sounds like I've done a lot, I think I can procrastinate. Um, I do procrastinate a lot where I get great ideas and then I don't follow through. And so I sometimes feel I'm forever learning um, and sometimes not doing, you know. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm far from perfect and far from achieved half of what I want to achieve. Um, but I guess um, just always, always um, knowing when it's time for me to learn something new. So I don't think I've ever quit something, but it's just a case of if you're unhappy, consider what else you can do consider what else is out there and at least open up more pathways for yourself because you know we need our jobs we need finances we, you know there's there's other reasons why we do our jobs other than our higher purpose you know it's we've got to pay the bills we need to pay for our kids and things and so I think it's just keeping keeping um keeping all those things functioning but at the same time um just always keeping other areas open whether that be self-study courses something different but I think it's just and knowing what motivates you that should help to drive you as to what type of thing you choose to do yeah okay now we're getting to the last bit the small revolution fire round so uh, why oh. do you do what you do why do I do what I do I do what I do because I actually love people I'm passionate about helping people wherever they are, in dentistry, not in dentistry. In dentistry, I'm, I'm passionate about providing, sharing what I've learned and the, and the successes that I've had with patients to help other clinicians with their patients. That's my number one. And who do you look up to in the profession? So I look up to um, many people. Um, obviously, Dr. Elaine Halley has been one of my um, main um, inspirations. Um, Avijit Banerjee, um, I absolutely, I, I feel he's my hero at the moment because I, I keep I keep watching things about him and I just, I almost feel like he is um, an academic version of everything that I've naturally found out myself. When I when I actually hear what he how he lectures, so they dentist dentist wise those two obviously Chris Longbottom who I've mentioned uh, yeah huge admiration for um, hygienist therapist wise probably Melanie Preble is probably one of the key people that I've always looked up to in dentistry. Um, I met Mel in New York actually, so yeah she's probably my number one um, hygiene therapist. 
Oh, and if you hadn't gone down in denti- gone down the route of dentistry in life, what would you have done? Well, my two as a school as a school leaver, I was in the the era of YTS. A lot of the listeners won't even know what that is. It was called Youth Opportunity Scheme, and and we Youth Training Scheme, and we um, you left school and you got paid twenty nine pounds fifty a week for doing a job, and um, I knew two people that were older than me at school. One of them did dental nursing and got kept on. And one of them worked in a lawyer's office and got kept on. So when I went to the careers office age 16, because I had no desire to really further educate myself at that time, um, they said, what do you want to do? And I said, work in a dental practice or a lawyer's office. <laughs> that was as much thought as it, that, that was as much thought um, as went in, had went into my career. Um, so if I hadn't gone into dentistry, I'd probably be in a lawyer's office. Okay, Wow. So I know the dental me. profession are very grateful that you entered the dental profession. Where would we be without you, Flo? <laughs> I'm, I'm very grateful to have found dentistry, uh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and if you had a magic wand, what would you change for the future? Um, a magic wand, I would change the utilisation of the skill set and the restrictions that are around that. Um, I think it's crazy that we have um, a national health service that is at crisis and we can't have therapists being fully utilised in the national health service, as in doing examinations and taking some of the strains off of dentists. So I think, and even things like the, you know, a hygienist can apply fluoride, but because it's, a, you know, all these things, I think we just need, there. we've got diet, we almost make, one step forward with direct access, five steps back that we've still got restrictions in use. So I think it's almost just, I think the magic wand would be, there's the scope, let's just make it really easy for that scope to be fully utilised. That would be my magic wand and just having DCPs, dental nurses, hygienists and therapists really, really working to their full potential and supporting the dentists and the dental practices. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, where do you want to be 10 years from now? 10 years from now, um, probably lying in Barbados writing dental blogs. Love it. <laughs> and um, lastly, what is your mantra? My mantra? Oh, um, you get out of people what you give to those people. So, yeah, it's just I like win-wins. Win-wins is my mantra. Yeah, always up for a win-win. A hundred percent. Yes. Now, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, Flo. Yeah. Are you happy to share your email address? Absolutely, yes. So how should people get in contact with you if they've got any questions? Any questions. My email address is flo, F-L-O, at connectcoaching.co.uk. Okay, thank you so much um, for your time. You have been an inspiration to listen to. You definitely have had a very varied career, um, atypical from certainly the norm. And um, I'm sure listeners will learn a lot from you and um, I'm sure we'll be in touch regarding any questions. So thank you so much for your time. And um, I look forward to having you on the show again soon. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much, Victoria. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, I'm sure you will love our next guest. So click on subscribe to be the first to hear it. If you were inspired by the podcast today and you wish to launch an oral health promotional campaign or project, please let us know at Smile Revolution. As we are here for you leading dental professionals as your creative agency dedicated to making a success of every oral health promotional campaign and project. Book your free consultation today. Please email info at smile-revolution.net.